1: Hello, and welcome to the Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast for two queer IRL witches. Read Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin Dandy, Lark Malachi Gray.
0: And I am dyke Chardonnay, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about the first part of chapter 26, the second task, in which Directly after the events of the last chapter, Harry is cluing the gang in about Moody and Snape and the egg, and they're all speculating once again what the fuck is going on with someone who clearly hates his job and hates Harry and is very obviously aligned somehow with these magical fascists. Also, what the fuck's up with Barty, with Barty Crouch Sr. Harry doesn't know, but it's time to write serious and let him know what's up. Also, to focus on how to breathe underwater. To the library. Only the library sucks this time with a seemingly lack of organization or something because Harry cannot find anything to help him go into the lake and neither can Hermione and Ron. Sirius only asked him about his upcoming Hogsmeade's trip and Harry has forgotten to ask him about his whole breathing underwater dilemma. Whoops. Hagrid is laying off the scroots and continuing lessons about, about unicorns, complete with baby fucking unicorns, <laughs> to everyone's excitement except for Harry, but it's okay because he is full of anxiety because somehow it's February and his anxiety is through the roof. Uh, Hagrid's unshakable belief in Harry only adds to his anxiety. And somehow we're at the night before the second task, and the trio has nada, nothing, nothing to help Harry. For whatever reason, <clears throat> Ron and Hermione are summoned to McGonagall's office and don't return. So Harry decides to sneak into the library to find to try to find anything that will help him. He doesn't, and is waking up the, and is woken up the next morning by Dobby, who has a plan and some gross stolen magical pickles for Harry that totally wasn't planted (pun intended) by Fake Moody. <laughs> anyway, ha- Harry has no has got no time to change or grab breakfast because he's got to go save Ron from the lake in literally ten minutes. Thanks,
1: Dobby. Yep. Oh my gosh, that was perfect. <laughs> um, cool. So, we're going to start this off with today's headlines Hogwarts students file class action lawsuit to demand a library reference system, claiming that the inability to locate books presents an undue barrier to education.
0: Oh, I have so much about that all. <laughs> Same. Me too. <laughs> this is the episode where you were excited about us ranting about this library, this goddamn library, today is the day.
1: Today is your day, yes. Um, So first we're going to turn to the front page where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. And I feel like we should note just for like where we are in time. This is the first episode that we have recorded this fall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Since the spring, since May. Yeah. Which was 20 years ago.
1: (laughs) Exactly. We might repeat some stuff that you're like, wait, you just said this in the last episode. We don't remember. Sorry. Uh, But we'll try not to. And that's that. Yeah. What do you have first here?
0: Professor Flitwick is just a good dude. I just want to say that. Uh, Harry is casually describing him being sort of resigned at the amount that he is flying across the room because Neville... Um, does not have the right wand for what he needs to do and thus among his other learning issues and is not doing a very good job but Flitwick is not berating him or calling him names or moving house points which I believe even McGonagall has done in the past and I'm just like are you the only good teacher who's permanently here I think so. Yes. (laughs) It's like him and Sprout. It's like just... The only people who seem to care about how to teach children and not give them uh, lifelong trauma that they're going to need a lot of therapy for.
1: Yep. I completely agree. Um, I want to start off by saying, so I actually just edited the episode that we recorded in May, so I think it's fresher in my mind, obviously, than in yours, because I don't think I've sent it to you yet. But something that I said in that episode is that I don't believe that Hermione believes Harry that he's figured out the egg clue because like if she did she'd be like tell me everything so like she knows he's lying and it's just like wow good for you which I love I love that and like I continue to love that in this chapter where she's like acting indignant but like she's just taking the opportunity to act indignant even though she knew that he didn't know because like she can and I yeah love that for her
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I'm glad that Hermione uh instead was using that energy for her boyfriend which mm-hmm. you know good good for you
1: <laughs> absolutely yep uh
0: I actually have only one more thing in this, in this section okay <laughs> Which is one of the books that Harry was looking at, or at least leaning on, is called Saucy Tricks for Tricky Swords. And I'm like, that sounds like a sex magic book. Just saying.
1: Yeah. So I also, I was like, Jesse, do you think this is from the restricted section?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I see, I don't know. Because it also sounds like a pulp trade paperback from the 1960s, where it's like, teach children how to do magic, like, Mm. kind of title, but I'm also just, it also just sounds like sex magic.
1: (laughs) I think we should go with that one. I, yes, it makes me happy to think that it's from the restricted section, and then, like, Harry is looking through it and literally doesn't understand what he's seeing or reading, you know?
0: Which- is actually even more funny because there would definitely be a spell in there about how to not breathe, or I guess not how to breathe underwater, but <laughs> just saying. <laughs> um, anyway, oh, God. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, you're right. <sighs> um, all right, I want to end my part of this with the fact that Dobby was told very specifically last time that he woke Harry up, that he should wake him up by prodding him. And he took that to heart and will wake Harry up no other way. Like when Harry's like, stop poking me, Dobby's like, I have to, not only because he needs Harry to wake up, but because he was given explicit (laughs) instructions about how to wake Harry up. And I just love that.
0: Yeah, Dobby's really, Dobby really saves the day in this chapter in a way that, I mean, I don't remember what Harry ends up giving Dobby this year for Christmas. No, that's already happened. I don't remember if he thanks Dobby. I'm like, you really should, my dude.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure he does. Okay. We'll find out mm-hmm. in like a year.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure will.
1: Okay. Welcome to the education section, where we talk about this goddamn school.
0: I actually have one thing in education that's not about the library. Cool, let's start there. Kind of, but but it'll feed directly into the library. Perfect. Which is, so I went back to double check, because I think that it is a bit of a educational failing of sorts, that it looks like it seems like some of the books that we that are named that we see Harry and Ron and Hermione going through are like general magic, like, you need help. Here are some things that could help. But the rest are like charm and spell books because I think they're sort of in the magical hierarchy of like what the vibe seems to be for like, what is a useful, what is useful magic? Mm. I think that herbology is sort of way at the bottom. Because it's like, why aren't you guys looking through any herbology books? Herbology mm. books to be like, there's is, is there a plant that makes you breathe in the water? Or like a potion? I mean, obviously there's a reason why they're not looking at potion books. Because everyone but Hermione hates potions. And there maybe isn't time for that anyway. But it just seems weird that that isn't somehow in the scope of their research. It's all like, there's got to be a spell. And it's like... I'm talking about the whole thing about, yeah, there should be, like, tw- like, 20 million spells. But it just seems, it just makes me a little bit, like, even you guys are a little bit wrapped up in the idea that, like, Transfiguration and Charms and, like, whatever are, like, the real magical stuff. And Herbology is just, like, this is the class we fuck off in, you know?
1: Yes, and I think that at least part of that is has to be due to the fact that, like, what they, quote-unquote, learn in Herbology is basically just, like, they're doing unpaid labor for like the Hogwarts nursing staff. <laughs> it's
0: the, it's the harder cultural class I was wondering about. And we are the gayers are. Yeah. I'm like, who has this? And it's like Hogwarts, Hogwarts has this class.
1: Yeah. Cause they're really not learning that much. And they often learn about like one plant per semester. Yeah. Instead of learning like, you know, real herbology, you know, like what yeah. can you combine? What are these plants properties like? what are their histories and their uses and yeah. what makes them magic and stuff like that. You know, our dream herbology class that we've talked about.
0: Yeah. And I mean, sprout smokes a lot of weed. So mm-hmm. this is, I think kind of, it's it's sort of like the stereotypical like shot class <laughs> kind of.
1: <laughs> That's true. It is. Where it's
0: like, there's a lot of things you could be learning that would actually really integrate well into the, what the rest of what you're doing, but it's sort of just like, here fertilize some shit for me thanks
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah (laughs) uh yeah
1: i got a little bit like a bit of a hiccup when you were like why aren't they looking at potions books and i know that potions often take a long time but that really does seem like an oversight i mean even i mean even if ron and harry aren't gonna do it like hermione you would still expect to be looking at potions books yeah that's wild But the library doesn't make it easy to look for anything. I think the thing for me that made me like the most irate about the library is that they asked the librarian for help and she couldn't help them. If she doesn't know what this organization system is, there is none like Yeah. This is not, like, it's hard to understand or, like, they somehow just don't know about it. This is, like, there is literally no
0: system. Which makes this basically useless as a library because that's, like, 60% of the point is there is an area that has all of this knowledge in it and it is organized in such a way that if you go up to a person and you're like... I need a book about Dalmatians, for example. And they're like, you can find that in this section. Here are some books about dog care or dog breeds. And like that's sort of, I mean, modern librarians do a whole lot because uh, for a variety of different reasons, but like at its core, the whole point of a library is like people who work there know how this shit is cataloged. And there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, uh, a system of organization so you can easily find things. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, even before computers, there was a a fucking file folder where you could, like, find the D and pull out the thing and have the Dewey Decimal System be, like, Dalmatians. And it would be, like, yeah, it could be, like, 101 Dalmatians, it could be Dalmatian Care, it could be History of Dalmatians, and, like, here are all the different places that you could find those things within the library.
0: And the fact that libraries predate, like say the Dewey Decimal System. It's like, at the very least, it's like by subject. If you think about how would I organize a bunch of information that I have, you could be like, I could do it by subject, which, th- like, that's just like the bare minimum of what you can do. I feel like the way that this library is written, it's, it makes it seem more like an Antique bookstore where the proprietor is not even trying to sell you any books. So there's just mm-hmm. no rhyme or reason to the organizations.
1: Yeah, the kind where it's literally just like stacks of books on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, I <laughs> it's I don't know how much it just being organized by section would help in this case. Because if like the bubblehead charm is gonna just be in like a charms book and like transfiguring yourself into a shark man is going to be an a transfiguration book like having it be like charms are here transfiguration is here isn't really going to do very much like you still need something that's breaking down what's in each of these books so that you can be like water spells and then have like a list of books that have references to spells doing having to do with water you know
0: yeah yeah but it seems like and maybe this is a overall weakness of because I feel like what's happening in this chapter is a weakness in world building and it's like also making the world building not make sense in order to serve the plot in which the plot is that like Harry waits until the last minute and gets a surprise and gets the like deus machina of Dobby being like here's like the exact thing that you need when in reality it seems like Harry should have been like or madam or would, or Hermione would have been like, someone would have been like, oh hey, look at this magical first aid book, or this book of some, you know, people who like are sailors or live by the ocean, which is a majority of humanity. From the majority of like humanity's existence, it's like you would think you would want a charm that would let you breathe underwater because drowning exists. And at the very least, you would think that as witches, you would want to prevent things like drowning. <laughs> or like make it easier to go fishing or to hide or like just like the sort of practicality of the fact that they can't find anything at all about being able to breathe underwater water just seems ridiculous if you think yeah. about it for more than three seconds
1: okay so I have two thoughts on this one is that as I said I think when we talked about the first task a very st- good strategy in the Tri-Wizard Tournament would be to go to the library and immediately check out all of the books that could help the other contestants. Mm-hmm. I want to believe that floor specifically because she's <laughs> like, that's totally her personality just went in. She found, she uses the bubble head charm, right? Yeah. So she found that book and like all of the books that mentioned that and she checked them out and she did not return them. Like no one else gets to use those because I think that's hilarious to your point though i think i think it's really interesting because this book kind of goes out of its way to be like harry isn't special but i don't think that's what it's supposed to be doing but it's very much like harry can't figure jack shit out without someone just explicitly telling it to him yeah which is really it's a weird thing to do with your like hero character mm. and it would have actually been super easy, you're right, for them to have the one thing that they can find, right? The one book Floor didn't check out or they find it out from Neville is the Gillyweed thing and they can't get it. They don't know where to get it. And they spend yeah. a bunch of time still searching all these books because they're like, that. that's not going to work. And then Dobby overhears them talking yeah. about how they can't find it. But like-
0: right it's like really rare or it's like a restricted ingredient or it's like right yeah
1: and we find out that Dobby stole it from Snape later in the
0: book yeah who keeps it like locked in his office probably for a reason so it's like yeah no you are no you are correct that would have been a much easier thing
1: (laughs) and I think to your point about like sacrificing world building in service of the plot like I think the reason that It's set up this way is just so that Moody's speech at the end can be like, look how useless you are. I even had to like plant it with Dobby to give you this thing, because even though I put the book in your door months ago, you didn't look for it, you know? Yeah. It's like, I don't think that had to be as important as you wanted it to be, you know?
0: Yeah. Besides a like, wow, Harry, you really suck at asking your friends for advice or clearly don't think much of Neville who it's like. Yeah, if you would have taken three seconds to be like, does anyone in the common room know how I could breathe underwater? Neville would have been like, actually.
1: Right. <sighs> uh, and that would have been such a nice moment for all of us.
0: <laughs> in the movie, Neville is the one that tells Harry about the, who gives Harry the gilly weed, not Dobby.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: Probably because, I mean, the computer generated Dobby is, uh, it's the whole thing. I yeah. don't know. It looks very weird and creepy, so... I'm glad that they give it to Neville in the movies but sure. anyway um, but that still actually doesn't r- remove from the fact that this library fucking sucks no
1: it doesn't and
0: like unnecessarily and it's like you're in a school where this seems like it would be really important like if this was just like a library where like only witches who would like study this arcane organization system or knew the organization system because they were the ones filing the books that'd be one thing but this is like for children who are learning <laughs>
1: Right. <laughs> like, yeah, it's vital. It's vital that they have access,
0: <laughs> and you have magic. Like the fact that they. And I mean, okay. Like search engines weren't really a thing that were great when these books were written, but look, you like I'm just. I'm trying to think of like, even if Harry was summoning books where it's like things that might help me
1: or something. I mean, I wrote in all caps in my notes: fine tooth comb our favorite spell from carry on
0: our favorite spell from carry on right i like
1: why isn't there something like surely there's the word latin words that would work to be like search for this thing you know yeah and like you're right that like computerized like card catalogs haven't been around for that long but i'm pretty sure i learned the dewey decimal system i think in second or third grade And they were like, you still need to learn this, even though we have this, like, janky-ass Mac 1.0 in the library (laughs) where you can look things up and it takes, like, five minutes to pull it up. They're like, it's still important, you know? Not all libraries have these or, like, you know, whatever. I don't think I still remember how to use the Dewey Decimal System because computers, but, like, I could if I needed to.
0: It's essentially by... Sub, I mean, like the actual n- numerical part I couldn't tell you about, but the vibe of it is just it's essentially by subject cat. Like, it's like you have like broad categories, you know, of stuff, and then like it gets more and more minute with like every number, whatever. Um, yeah. I should know more of this as someone who attempted to get go to school for library science and then flunked out, but yeah, yeah, the fact that there isn't any kind of like Magical research spell, and the and and the fact that it it doesn't exist, and like, I don't know, even her mind doesn't have a cheat code for this. It's sort of like because as much time as she spends in the library, if I were her, I would be like, what fucking mishmash of Latin can they slap together to at least give me a like, kind of get some glowing books if it's like the subject I'm trying to like find or something. Yeah. But she says Madame Pence is like fucking useless, like yes, like less than useless. it's like you're supposed to know where the shit is i know that is that is like in your job description as a librarian <laughs> i don't
1: i don't I don't understand like what is the purpose of her if it's not to like help students find books, you know
0: yeah, is she another Dumbledore strategic hire that just never worked out? who knows <laughs> <laughs> this has just always been a pet peeve of mine of someone who spent a lot of my youth in libraries that this library this magical library doesn't fucking work
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's tragic Mm -hmm. welcome to advertisements where i don't really have an ad but i'm just gonna list off the ways that you can like find us and stuff uh, cause we're not doing long outros anymore, which is fun. And I think exciting for both us and you, the listener. <laughs> um, so we're on Instagram and Twitter at the gaily profit. Our website is hashtag ruthless.com where you can find everything about this podcast, but also all our other podcasts and also our really cool merch. If you want to support us for free, leave us a review on iTunes If you want to support us financially, we're at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit, or you can leave a donation on our website. Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. So you know how one of the things that we really appreciate about Rainbow Rowell's sort of loose interpretation of the harry potter series is that she like didn't find it necessary to include a ron character yes yes and i you know generally think that this book would be great if ron was not in it and i kind of feel like hermione is feeling that way at the beginning of this chapter (laughs) (laughs) because she is just pretending that he's not in the room (laughs)
0: She is so irritated with him. She podcast.
1: like dismisses him once and then he keeps going and she just like talks to Harry. <laughs> Ron's over here doing whatever and Hermione's like, anyway. <laughs> like, oh, it just brought me so much joy.
0: All right. Uh, so my thing is, <laughs> so one of the suggestions that as, as they're not fighting any spells is, Maybe it is a wrong suggestion of just summoning some scuba gear for Harry. And Hermione's like, that would literally break the biggest rule that we have as witches. Yeah. But I have to say that Harry is rich enough. He could have ordered some scuba gear and put it in his room and this summoned some scuba gear. Um, obviously, he doesn't know how to use scuba gear, which I'm pretty sure you need to know how to do that in order to not die. So... It wouldn't have out anyway, but I was kinda like, you didn't actually need to dismiss this out of hand because you could have you could have afforded this, my
1: <laughs> dude. Does he know how to change his witch money for muggle money?
0: Mm. I mean, that, that's other another question that has always just been like the exchange rate and how that works exactly has just always been a big mystery. So mm-hmm. I would assume that the that is like you Like in real life, you could go to a bank, you could go to Gringotts and be like, I would like to exchange this small stack of gold for some pounds, Mm -hmm. you know, or maybe there's like a special exchange rate office, which is what they have, like, I don't know. There's like places you can go in Windsor, you can exchange your money. Like, not just so I'm kind of like, maybe there's like an office somewhere.
1: It makes sense that they would have one of those in Hogsmeade, actually.
0: Yeah. Especially being so close to the school.
1: Right. Exactly and being a like all wizarding village but like tiny you know if you right. need to like go to the next muggle town over it makes sense that you would need that yeah uh i love that i did think it was like pretty hilarious that they were like just summon it from like the next town over and i was like do you think that there's just like scuba gear shops like in the <laughs> middle <laughs> no. of nowhere scotland Like
0: Scotland, <laughs> the ideal place to scuba dive, <laughs> I mean, we get
1: no impression that they're like on the coast, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. As cool as that would be for Hogwarts to be on the coast. Um, it is in fact inland, very inland. Exactly so
1: yeah i love the idea of harry solving his problem by just being like no i'm just gonna buy something from the muggle world and everyone's like what the fuck (laughs) can you imagine the faces of all of the the i
0: I feel like i've read a variety of fanfictions over the years that use that in one way or another or it's like i mean often about ballpoint pens versus quilts because you're like they don't run out of ink i mean they do eventually but it's not the same
1: (laughs) right exactly
0: anyway just made me laugh to be like you could just buy some
1: that is really funny
0: (laughs) um
1: i just want to like you know note this is where we get our like canonical hagrid is a woman because it is canonical that unicorns don't tolerate men and she you know in this chapter has baby unicorns but previously had been continuing the lesson on adult unicorns so
0: yeah and I mean um you have to get pretty close to some unicorns to some wild ass animals to be able. let me just take your babies for a hot sec
1: yeah they need to trust you a lot yeah um okay I have like three things that just made me like so No, two
0: things.
1: (laughs) Three things.
0: That made you so angry.
1: (laughs) So angry. We're going to go
0: from least angry
1: to most angry, I think.
0: Okay. All right. I'm excited. Uh,
1: First is that when they're in the library on the final day, Fred shows up to be like, Ron and Hermione, got to take you. I just wrote ask, ask, ask in my book in all caps. Fred Weasley knows how to go in the lake.
0: Oh, my fucking God, you're right. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. It is yeah, crunch do. time.
1: It is... Cr- who do you ask if not the fucking Weasley twins? Like...
0: Yeah, they definitely have a, like, candy for that. Like, you know... Or they tested one, at the very least. Wow. Yeah. See, this is just a, like... <laughs> Harry's just not very smart, I think, is part of i mean and i i mean i get it he does not like he desperately does not like asking for help (laughs) yeah but it's like you're basically related to the weasleys right now my dude like if anyone like
1: and if even if harry wasn't gonna do it i feel like at that moment ron could have been convenient and been like yeah okay hey by by any chance do you know how to breathe underwater and fred would have been like yeah the bubblehead charm you didn't learn that yet and they'd yeah. be like, "What?" And he would just teach them, and then that would be that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that would make sense. And then, then once again, we wouldn't get the whole thing with Dobby, and then the reveal, and blah, blah, blah. So, but yeah, yeah. Fred and George Weasley definitely have been in the lake, <laughs> under the lake. <laughs> totally, they need to like gather weird
1: ingredients for their weird candies and stuff. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Next, I just want to put it on the record that I'm, like, very annoyed that Harry's going to miss Ron more than Hermione. Um, And also, can you imagine if she hadn't been taken for Crumb, which we will get into in the next half of this chapter, like, the fight, the, like, bad feelings that would have been caused by, like, Ron being more important than her?
0: (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm glad that she gets to have fuzzy romantic feelings with Crumb about it instead. Because yeah, that yeah. would be shitty. It would be. I know.
1: Shitty. I know. Um... <sighs> Here's my final thing. <laughs> I'm. So... It's a grammar th- or not. It's a writing thing. Okay. I. Okay, hold on. Let me. <laughs> you guys. I just.
0: You have to read the passage. of... Oh my god.
1: Okay. So. Harry's like, I should have learned to be an animagus like Sirius. And then it says, Yeah, you could have turned into a goldfish anytime you wanted, said Ron. Or a frog, yawned Harry. He was exhausted. Except that's not how it goes. It goes like this I should have learned to be an animagus like Sirius. An animagus was a wizard who could transform into an animal. Yeah, you could have turned into a goldfish, said Ron. What the fuck? What? Who's talking? Who's talking? Who is that? I threw my book. I'm so mad.
0: What? Also, we definitely that aside because we literally had a whole book about this. We really had a whole book, book, book
1: about it, and it is clear from the conversation that follows. Not only, sorry, let me reclaim my book. <laughs> Not only is it obvious from Ron being, like, context clues. You could have turned into a goldfish, yeah. and Harry's like, or a frog. And then Hermione says, it takes years to become an animagus." Animagus. Why can't I say this today? And then you have to register yourself. Professor McGonagall told us, remember, you've got to register yourself with the improper use of magic office, what animal become, what animal you become and your markings. Why do we have this random fucking omniscient narrator who is talking to us from no one's point of view?
0: I know. Wow.
1: What is this?
0: Yeah. I don't know. It is pointless at, at, I don't know. That is really ridiculous. (laughs) (sighs) Once again, these books are also not written very well.
1: I can't wait for the 20 emails that we're going to get from people being like, I love it when Lark gets so mad about the writing because we get them every time I go on one of these rants
0: and they make me very happy. (laughs) uh. Yeah, I feel like this and the library rant are really going to be hitting all of our literary nerd fans. (laughs) There <laughs> <Yeah>, we are. <laughs> oh my God. Uh,
1: okay. Welcome to the health and science section where we talk about magic and science and magical science.
0: All right. So, first off, gillyweed is not a real herb. I had to look it up to double check because sometimes there are real herbs used. Gillyweed is not one of them.
1: I'm glad. I think, to because the description of it is revolting.
0: <laughs> it sounds really gross. Yeah. And I'm just like, is this a real thing?
1: And I was like, no. No, it's not. Cool. My first thing, maybe only thing, we'll see, is uh, I think I've said before that I think that book Flitwick is half fairy as opposed to half goblin like he is in the movies. Mm-hmm. And this chapter is one of the places where I think we see that because, (laughs) like, I assume it takes, like, more magic to banish bigger things. And Harry's, like, much heavier things like Professor Flitwick. And I'm like, but what if he isn't, you know? What if he doesn't weigh more than a cushion?
0: Or, uh, as more crossover content, as we just recently discussed in uh, Escape from Reality... If fairies fly, then he probably has hollow bones. Exactly. He <laughs> probably is much lighter than a person <laughs> would be. Like right. a person who didn't have hollow bones. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think he has like a different relationship with gravity than we do, not just because of his small stature, but also because of like his magical makeup, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I believe I believe this. So cool. what
1: do you have next?
0: All right. I have a little bit about Horses, love it. All right. In which? Okay. So, uh, Hagrid sort of describes uh, a little bit about why baby unicorns are gold, and they're and she's like, after a couple of years, I turn gray. After a couple more years, I turn white. Which, as I learned, because I'd look this up. So, IRL, gray horses can and do over time turn white. So that's a real thing. Uh, as is as is a lot of horned animals if they're not born with horns end up growing horns or antlers like later on in their lives so all that tracks and harry describes these horses as as being gold which is actually kind of like a real color that horses can be um palomino horses are like they're gold but they're like manes and their tails are white Mm -hmm. and I looked at some photos and like if you were like didn't know anything about horses and were like kind of far away you'd be like that that entire horse is gold obviously right so I'm just gonna imagine that these baby unicorns are palomino which is also an excellent word to use I don't know why I like that word (laughs) a lot um so we get some a little bit of like rooted in real animal stuff with these unicorns cool um and then I have stuff about unicorns uh obviously there's a lot of research about unicorns there's a lot of history about unicorns i did not i could do an hour and a half probably about unicorns maybe for patreon (laughs) maybe for patreon uh but for right now what i'm going to talk about is where the whole thing about unicorns and girls which is what we're getting here in this book comes from so which maybe you already know
1: If I do, I don't have immediate access to it.
0: All right. So long story short, uh, even before Christianity, there was writings about one horned animals, sort of like horses and oxen and goats pre-Christianity. The reference in the Bible to unicorns is probably uh, part translation issue. And well, mostly translation issue and mostly people being like,
1: what is wait what is it what the reference the bible reference
0: Uh there's a couple there's a couple of references of uh unicorns in the bible it's like there's like passages that name unicorns
1: Interesting
0: sort of by name by um and then there is I actually have this pulled up There is a um in the Hebrew bible there's an animal called I'm probably mispronouncing this uh a reem that has that was translated in the like King James Bible as a unicorn, okay. and it's like a goat that has one horn that's okay. sort of the vibe, and you can definitely look up or like a wild ox or like whatever you can, and so you can look up the whys of that and what the animal might be so but like that got translated into unicorn, obviously unicorn's aren't real, so it's sort of like
1: they will fight you. <laughs>
0: what what does a unicorn look like? What a good question so So unicorns in the Bible, the actual word unicorn is in the Bible or in some translations of the Bible, whatever. So in medieval times is where we get the whole associating unicorns with virgin maidens thing, because someone wrote in a like book of animals, he wrote an, an, he wrote a Christian allegory or maybe not him, them, whatever. There's a, in this book is a Christian allegory with a unicorn and a maiden that, in medieval art is depicted as the Virgin Mary. And so this sort of allegory informed medieval art, both religious art and also secular art. And that sort of the the kind of uh, telephone, copy-paste way of communication and language and culture sort of boiled down to virgin women are, you know, can tame a, a unicorn enough for you to hunt them. Like Leonardo Leonardo da Vinci has a sketch about this and he wrote a little about it in his journal. It'll be like, yeah, you just need a virgin woman and the unicorn will lay lay its head in her lap and then you can hunt it. Even though, again, (laughs) who is hunting unicorns? No one. No one. No one. one. So, and this comes up a lot in medieval art in in those infamous tapestries with the like unicorn and like little paddock. I mean, I don't know, Mark in the Wikipedia entry, they're like, Marco Polo writes about unicorns, even though he's clearly describing a rhinoceros, which obviously is one of the many animals that <laughs> inspired the lore of the unicorn. Right, right, right. Um, but, and since this sort of medieval idea of unicorns ends up being used a lot in fantasy, I've, this is what I'm assuming is sort of the genesis of the like, adult unicorns not Liking not liking boys so much, but being much more into girls because of the copy paste nature of human culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fascinating. Oh, yeah. So, there's actually okay. So, the Wikipedia article is actually pretty good, it's very long. I also own a book that I haven't read in a really long time, so I couldn't cite from it, but it's called uh, The Natural History of Unicorns. Um, and it's sort of about the sort of evolution of what we think about the unicorn throughout history and like also attempts to be like, what animal do we think this was that if people were writing about it and hadn't actually seen this animal or like knew what it was, like wh- what was that animal that inspired the unicorn? And like sort of like where did all of that come from? Uh, it's a pretty quick read, but if you want to know more about unicorn lore, not like lore, but like why? <laughs> the mm-hmm. whys of unicorn. Uh, it's pretty cool.
1: Nice. I maintain that unicorns and dragons just used to exist and don't anymore.
0: I think that's legit. I mean, just
1: went to a different dimension, or we did one or the other.
0: I mean, I don't know. Dragons are seem like basically dinosaurs, which you know, which we know definitely used to exist and definitely used to fly. So I'm like, right, they're so
1: ubiquitous. I'm like, yeah, if it's showing up everywhere, it was it was there. Sorry right.
0: no, woolly mammoths seem like mystical creatures, but they actually existed, and people used to eat them, like yeah, you they know existed
1: until so much more recently than I knew. I feel like I read something recently that I was like, what the fuck It's like the last one died out way too recently,
0: yeah, I feel like what podcast was I listened to? they were talking about maybe it was a food podcast they're talking about specifically about people like subsistence hunting un uh unicorns, Jesus subsistence hunting. Wooly mammoths. And yeah, I think they mentioned like, yeah, they were around for a surprisingly long time.
1: The CNN article that I'm just looking at the headline of that's from 2019 said that the last one died 4,000 years ago, which I think previously they thought it was like 10,000 years ago. So
0: yeah, 4,000 years ago is not that long ago.
1: <laughs> no, it's like really, really weird to think about like woolly mammoths and like Socrates. coexisting. <laughs> I think there might be like a thousand year gap in between, but
0: yeah. So yeah, that is my brief unicorn trope history lesson here.
1: I love that. I honestly, I don't think I've ever read anything with unicorns in it besides the Harry Potter books that does this whole like unicorns and gender thing.
0: I feel like I don't know if I have either, but I mean, it's depicted in enough medieval art that I think just sort of through osmosis, I've like, because yeah, I really can't pinpoint any fantasy that I've read, uh, except for this novel that I've read that was definitely just like a Christian allegory anyway, so (laughs) about unicorns, (laughs) Um, and I've I've never seen the last unicorn, so I don't know if there's any like weird allegory stuff in there either. I
1: think I watched it once when I was very small and it upset me deeply and then I never watched it again. And I can't even remember why it upset me because I never watched it again. And I was like eight.
0: It's probably very sad. I think that's the sort of the sense I get of the vibe it is like kind of sad. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I don't need that in my life. So Mm -hmm. you probably did yourself a good job. All
1: right. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. And until next time.
0: Ox. Goat. Rhino. Ass. (laughs) All animals that have been mistaken slash inspired unicorns. Love it.